from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. A time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside my co-host and friend Corbin Ford. I am Garrett Bougay. It's nice to have Corbin back in the fold here on Duncan Dynasty after a brief hiatus. Uh, first off, Corbin, you know, just how, how are you doing? You know, man, it's been crazy, but I'm, I'm doing okay. I can't really complain in the grand scheme of things. Really happy about that. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. Just, uh, it's been a crazy emotional time with my family, but, uh, you know, went through some things. We're kind of going through it day by day, but it's, it's really, it's really, uh, it's looking brighter, and so I'm happy about that. Well, yeah, Corbin... Uh, and and his uh, his younger brother had a uh, really awful situation happen where they were playing they were playing hoops in Arizona and a couple of guys came up and started shooting and, and Corbin's brother was hit and he was hospitalized for an extended period of time and uh, he's just now finally home after what over like a month in the hospital just a horrible situation but obviously my thoughts and are with you and your family Corbin and Everybody uh, listening, you know, uh, hopefully they, they've had you in their thoughts as well. Yeah, I really appreciate it, man, definitely. Your support's been invaluable. Um, others all over, I appreciate this across Twitter. Um, you know, people I haven't met, as well as, of course, the ones you know, neighbors, friends, family. It's been a lot. Um, like you said, it's still a long way to go, but um, the encouraging signs, especially given where we were, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, further out, um, it, it's been kind of incredible. So really happy about that. Yeah, and I've, I've heard from you that uh, your brother seems to be in, in, in much better spirits, especially now that he's he's back home. Yes, exactly. It's been, it's been a real big help, a real big boom. I'm glad to hear that, uh, that, that positive news after such an awful event. But uh, let's, uh, let's get into something a little less serious and, and some hoops. <laughs> and we're going to be discussing after a, a very... A very active trade deadline. There was a lot of moves, of course. A lot of teams uh, were were buyers and, and tried to, to improve their roster to, to make a move towards the playoffs and, and also to, to compete in the postseason. But there was really one team, Corbin, that I felt, okay, this team made a, a couple of moves and one move in particular that vaulted them into another tier and, uh, and took them to another level and and made it so that I had to take them a lot more seriously than maybe I had prior. And that was the Denver Nuggets making the move for Aaron Gordon at the deadline, uh, trading Gary Harris and uh, R.J. Hampton and a uh, 2025 protected first-round pick to, uh, to pick up the, uh, the, the former Orlando Magic wing, Gordon, at 6'9", and also just uh, 25 years of age. He's got great size. He's got great strength. He's he's shooting uh, around thirty nine percent from three this season, and uh, you know on paper, this really seemed like just a, a perfect fit. Yeah. No, I mean it's a, it's 
Yeah, and 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 that's that's something that Gordon has been criticized about is that in the past is that he's you know maybe uh, focused a little bit too much on developing the skills and and showing off his skills as opposed to just being the the freak athlete that he is the the big body that he is, uh, but. But, you know, doing those things, playing the point forward in Orlando for, for a good chunk of time and, and you know, being that primary initiator at times, I think has, has really helped him, uh, you know, it's improved his, his jump shot, it's, an, it's improved his ability to ta- attack off of closeouts, and that combined with his athleticism makes him a, really a, a perfect fit next to a, a big man in Nikola Jokic. It blends really well. Like you said, he's might have overextended himself in the past. Now you give him an area where you can clearly see, even if like a, a primary kind of shot creator, initiator, you're looking at Jamal Murray. You know that Jokic can do the exact same thing. You've seen it happen in big games, you know, during the season, into the postseason of that nature. You know that he's kind of the, star, the straw that stirs the drink in terms of a playmaking perspective. You see where other guys fill in their roles. You know, a Michael Porter Jr., a Will Barton looking um, at their bench uh, before uh, Gordon, Jeremy Grant, you know, having a Paul Millsap. So you already have a team that's been established. They don't need Eric Gordon to try to be what he was in Orlando. They need him to play to his strengths, which if he was doing that in Orlando, maybe it would have led to a more effective version of himself. You know, a lot of that kind of depends on what the team would look like, whether he was um, needed to do that or if he was just emboldened by what was around him talent-wise, you know, whatever the case may be. But you come to a scenario in Denver where you already know kind of the pecking order and the strengths of players like Murray and Jokic take away from what Gordon would try to do but not do as well. Yeah, and and we've seen Gordon now uh, two games in a Nuggets uniform, the first game against the Atlanta Hawks over the weekend, and then this game, uh, which we're recording on a Tuesday night, so the game that aired tonight... Uh, against uh, the the Philadelphia 76ers. And, you know, one of the things that I think was immediately apparent, and I think the the Nuggets management was pretty excited and and had spoken with Gordon and and felt convinced that he was comfortable taking on a more defensive-oriented role and more of a uh, spot-up shooter, off-ball cutter sort of role on the offensive end. And through a couple of games, uh, you've got to be pretty pleased if you're a if you're a fan of the Nuggets, given that he hasn't gone out and, and tried to, you know, take step back twenty footers. You know, he hasn't tried to do do anything that is outside of his skill set. He has really almost at times been like uh, selfless to a fault. Uh, he he took just nine shot attempts in uh, in the first game against Atlanta. Was six of nine. Did not shoot much at all. In their uh, in their game against Philadelphia, so he seems very much focused on trying to fit in as best as possible and, and not step on anybody's toes. Exactly, and that's honestly the best way you want um, when you're a player, especially with every name cachet you have from another team, being able to come in and kind of fit in seamlessly, or as be, uh, at best as seamlessly as you can on an established roster. It's just kind of knowing your place uh, when it comes to just. Picking the scraps, what you can get, you know, around the board, you know, taking a shot if it's absolutely open, just filling your way in, and then you'll grow into that role. You know, he'll be there. It's not like he's a buyout guy or something. He'll be there into next season, so there's plenty of time for him to kind of figure out where he can kind of blend in for this team long term. But his immediate strengths in turn of being being um, able to finish in transition, being able to have that defensive versatility, you know, the occasional three, like those 
options are going to be more immediate, and he'll find his way there. So it's really a credit to him that he's not trying to force the issue, not trying to play like Aaron Gordon old in terms of, you know, his normal, you know, 15 to 17 shot attempts, and, and really just play with no ego, really. Absolutely. And, and yeah, a lot of people on, on Twitter were, were basically saying that the, the best part about this is that uh, this trade, this acquisition, is that the, the Nuggets, the lineups with, with Jokic, Murray, and, and Porter Jr. at the power forward spot, the four position, those lineups have just been killing people. I think winning by you know over 17 points per 100 possessions. So this deal allows them to, to move Paul Millsap to the bench keep Porter in that four spot and Gordon with his versatility can sort of be the offensive uh, or the defensive three and the offensive four, you know, and Porter Jr. can be the exact uh, inverse of that. And it's looked, uh, it's looked pretty good. The other thing that I, that I uh, have, have liked from, from what I've seen, especially in that Atlanta game is just the different things that they can do offensively. You know, obviously the, the Murray Jokic pick and roll is going to be their, their bread and butter. But what they can do now with, with all five guys in that starting lineup, that lineup of Murray, Barton, Gordon, Porter, and Jokic, uh, that lineup had a uh, 137.5 offensive rating in the game against Atlanta and a defensive rating of 95, so a net rating of 42.5 in that one. Wow. Um, but that lineup, again, there's there's nobody you can just ignore behind the arc. I think teams are pretty comfortable leaving Paul Millsap out there, but they're not as comfortable leaving Gordon. But you've got you've got five guys that can handle the basketball, five guys that can pass, although Porter Jr. doesn't really like to do that too much. Uh, and and you've got five guys that can that can handle the the rock as well. And on those dribble handoff actions, you know when. When the the Nuggets run, say a, a Jokic Murray pick and roll, and and that doesn't really, uh, you know, bend the defense, and then they go to the the weak side. Oftentimes, Jokic will hand it off to Barton or Aaron Gordon. But you know, again, in in that starting lineup before this, you know, you'd have Gary Harris out there, you'd have Paul Millsap out there, and sometimes those guys would be running the dribble handoff action, and those weren't very successful. Whereas now. Basically, any dribble handoff action with with Jokic at the center of it as the handoff man, the 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 guy with the basketball can can hit an off the bounce shot and can make a play. Yeah, you have a lot more versatility there, like you said, a lot more utility in terms of players who can both make the play that are used to doing it or better equipped to doing it and finish it as well and kind of go off the dribble. You're not having rather limited players offensively. That is, in you know, regards to a Gary Harris or a Paul Millsap, you have guys who are a lot more. Um, uh, diversify on the offensive end who can kind of be play initiators or play finishers and it's probably even better for them in more limited roles even though you know you've had a player especially like Ward in this case who've had to take on the brunt of the playmaking on you know less uh offense uh let's just say more offensive deficient rosters yeah and and that that same starting lineup that I mentioned also outscored Philadelphia 30 to 14 in the in the seven minutes and 46 seconds that uh, both starting lineups played against each other in the first quarter of the game tonight. So so far, the that lineup has been absolutely devastating, and it was a lineup that I that I thought would be pretty terrific because yeah, there's just there's no there's just no stopping that uh, that unit. But the other thing I like and what we have seen a little bit of here in these two games is, you know, again, it puts Millsap to that second unit. You know, Millsap maybe was uh, 
he was always a quality starter, but you know, has has drifted more towards closer to an average starter over the last couple of years as he's gotten older. But now as as like your sixth man off the bench, I think Millsap is a pretty great reserve forward. And they can bring Millsap and Jamichael Green as that sort of four or five combination off the bench. And and those two guys had actually only played ninety-five possessions together all season. Uh, prior to tonight's game against Philly, so we haven't seen a lot of that. But um, you know, I don't know if you if you caught this in the Philly game, but they had a nice little high-low chemistry uh, on offense. Yes. Michael Green finding Millsap inside a couple of times. I was going to comment and say that I saw a little more of that today. Um, like you said, probably, I, I figured it already was a rather kind of new alignment. But the fact that you just kind of confirmed that just made it clear. But in terms of having. A nice, intriguing set from your bigs. An interesting skill set. A little bit of passing. A little bit of, of, of stretch ability from three. You know, kind of a little bit of everything there. It's, it's really, it was it was neat. And like you said, they had some chemistry there. That was kind of cool to see. Yeah, they can, you can, they can switch reasonably well with those lineups. As you said, they've got, uh, you know, a, a bunch of floor spacing with Jamichael Green as the four. And, uh, you know, Millsap as kind of the, the playmaking five on the short rolls. I think he's pretty good for, for, for that sort of a role. And, you know, once they get, you know, this team is missing Monte Morris. I think he, he tweeted out recently that uh, he's, he's really close to coming back, so we should see Monte Morris in, in the next week or two. But without him, you know, we, we did see a lineup, I think, that struggled in, uh, in the second half tonight where it, it included Millsap, Facundo Campazzo, and uh, P.J. Dozier. And frankly, those are the lineups. You know, this Nuggets team just has a plethora of shooters. They've got so much floor spacing, so many guys that can knock down threes, but that lineup in particular with three guys that are below average shooters, that was where the offense started to uh, screech to a halt. Yeah, yeah, it's still something that has to be worked out. And again, with the alignment, you can kind of see um, different players kind of getting different rotation minutes and how they play together. And you're right, that was, from the moment of time that I saw, very... Um, I don't want to say constrictive, but you could tell that there wasn't a flow there. You know, there wasn't a chemistry there, at least a natural one. Yeah, and uh, Compazzo, obviously, the, the Nuggets picked him up this past offseason. There was a lot of hype around that uh, player that had played in Europe for a lot of his career. And, you know, there there are things to like about his game. He's an excellent passer. He's uh, he's pretty good moving his feet laterally to, to uh, defend one-on-one, but he's incredibly small. His, uh, you know, his shot is, uh, I would say, below average. It's a, it's kind of a slow release, and at his height, it, he has to be wide open to get it off. And he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't seem to shoot it with much confidence either. So as much as, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of fun in the same way T.J. McConnell is really fun for the Indiana Pacers getting steals and, and just making, making fun highlight reel plays. I don't see him, especially if, if Morris gets back healthy and this team is fully, uh, you know, has their full complement of players, I don't see Compazzo a part of this rotation. No, and as he'd be a great depth piece. He's probably overextended currently in the role that he's in. Um, you know, he gave a nice spark. He still does have a nice element, a change of pace kind of play in terms of his dazzling passing ability and, and really just his toughness, his grittiness. He laid out Ben Simmons, um, and Ben Simmons tried to set a pick on him. Uh, early in the, or I think it was like midway through the game. It was hilarious to watch that. Just ran through him, um, <laughs> and, and it's kind of fun to watch that. But yeah, some of the skill set I think would be best. You know, kind of a, a like I said, change of pace, kind of spot minutes type deal. Uh, definitely not a fit with the players they have now in the minutes, and just keeping that flow consistent. 
Yeah, to me, like, if he's your third point guard and he's a guy that maybe if the opposition has a guard that's going off, he can be somebody that you throw in there for two or three minutes just to energize your defense and maybe try to, you know, get that guy out of his momentum or his, uh, you know, his rhythm that he's in. I, I like that. But beyond that, yeah, I think they just have better options and he's too much of a liability on the uh, on the offensive end for me, but uh, um, again, as a, as a third point guard, I think you could do a lot worse than him. Um, you know the 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 game the game against Philly here tonight was uh, the first time the the Denver Nuggets had had a home crowd this season, and it was actually filled with uh, nothing but uh, first responders. So that was a cool thing for the Nuggets to do. And then apparently their their next game and and for the rest of the year they'll have a limited crowd in there in that ball arena, but uh, we also, Corbin, because we had an actual crowd, we got to hear for the first time some uh, Jokic MVP chants. Yeah, I'd rather not comment on that, given my allegiance to LeBron and the Lakers, but I'm like, (laughs) it was kind of fun, yeah, you're right, kind of having the feedback of the crowds, and I mean, just a brief note, we've seen, especially with, you know, increased ebb vaccination scenes of that sort a lot of fans um, are excited to go watch the players a lot of players are excited to have the fans back and so we did get some of that um, in a race that is wide open especially due to untimely injuries to Joel Embiid and LeBron James you do have a window where you can talk Jokic I would put Jokic right now very begrudgingly as a front runner um, but you also have like a Damian Lillard and if you want to name James Harden he's definitely played at that level last of the last you know if you forget that he ever started the season with Houston you know there's a, there's a bunch of players you can definitely put up there but uh, Jokic is, is, is the kind of straw that stirs the drink in this for this year yeah I will uh, I will put Jokic not not even begrudgingly happily I will put Jokic <laughs> as my uh, MVP front runner and uh, in case you forgot which you know I, I I continuously remind you just about every day I send you a text saying that uh, hey Corbin remember I picked Jokic as my preseason MVP selection yeah, yeah I do I'm about to say it's not I, there might be a little bit of bias there on your end my friend like, <laughs> you did say it from the jump listen I, if LeBron wasn't injured I would make a much stronger case I feel um, even though statistically right now Jokic has it, it's just that I, I, where the Nuggets sit right now, I mean, I, I'm i very much a guy that's like, it's numbers, it's narrative, it's all of that. Um, and, like, Jokic is okay. Like, he's dominant. He plays well. But, like, if you look at where the Nuggets are right now, it's a relatively wide open West. They're fifth in it right now currently. Um, I don't have – where's the signature game? Where's the – he's just playing well, you know? I, I just – I don't know. I mean, like, right now, again, in a year where no one is really standing out, you have no choice. You know, like, I mean, no, I really have, you really have a choice, but, like, if you're looking for something like the best case in terms of team performance, overall performance, you know, consistency, no injuries, you're looking at Jokic, but, like, I mean, like I said, I kind of feel the begrudging because, like, who else is, I'm not blown away by him, but, like, also, there's really no one else I can really kind of go win 100%. Yeah, I mean, the fact that... The um, the Nuggets are fifth in the West is probably the one thing that uh, you know. Well, and, and that and his defense that you would look at and say, okay, these are these are why these are reasons why he he shouldn't be the front runner. But when you look at you know not just record but point differential, which I think is actually a better indicator of uh, a team's quality, the Nuggets are fifth according to cleaning the glass in in net rating. So uh, at at over they're they're outscoring their opponents by over five points a game. So they are one of the elite teams. You know, if they're the fifth best team, I, I think that still makes them pretty elite. And he's been a huge part of that, and that's been despite 
You know, the Nuggets seemingly always have a bunch of guys injured. They've had guys, you know, like Jamal Murray start the season incredibly slow. I think Michael Porter Jr. missed a 10-game stretch early on, and it was all Jokic that was sort of keeping them afloat until now that it seems like they're they're picking up pace and, and they've won four or five. And, and who knows, you know, with, with LeBron out and Anthony Davis out for, you know, an unforeseeable amount of time. Denver could very easily move into that fourth spot, and and heck, we uh, uh, right before uh, we started recording this, the Clippers uh, blew a lead against the Orlando Magic and lost their 17th game of the season. So Denver's only one game in the lost column behind the Clippers for the three spot. So you know, it's it's not hard to believe that this Nuggets team will will move to four or even three potentially in the West. And then when you're talking about a team with home court advantage in the the better conference, a team that uh, you know has been uh, ravaged by injuries and also has has made some 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 trades that has mixed up the roster. The one constant, the one guy that has played every game has been Nikola Jokic, and he has, uh, in my mind, far and away been. Uh, you you can you can criticize the defense all you want, but he has been, in my mind, the best offensive player in basketball this season. I mean, I, I, I think Russell Westbrook had a great game this past week. <laughs> now, on a serious note, I mean, I'm not, like I said, I'm still very much of the same opinion where, like, if he gets it, it's deserved. Um, again, I'm not overly blown away. Uh, I'd like that maybe getting the third to actually be him getting the third, you know, in the West and, and things of that sort to shake out. Still a little bit of season left to figure that out. But, I mean, all in all, like you said, it's, it's, it's he's given himself a very, very good case. And at this point, I would say he's odds on favorites. So when you say you're not when you're not blown away, are are you not blown away away by how he's playing offensively with sixty percent from two point range, forty three percent from three, eighty seven percent from the free throw line, uh, one of the I think top five in the NBA in assists per game. Uh, he's just scoring in so many ways, and the the Denver Nuggets are one of the best offenses in the league, and they are way worse when he's off the floor. So is it is it just you think the defense is so bad, or are you not as impressed on the offensive end for some reason? Um, no, it's the defensive, and I think that everyone's just kind of casually overlooking. Like, no, he's awful on that end. We're like, oh, but look how good he's offensive. Okay, great. Um, also, the team right now, if they were top three, then I'd be great. You know what I mean? But a lot of it is they've had some injuries, but at the same time, like, the teammates that he's had, I'm not giving um, – Jokic anymore because even when he was keeping them afloat, he was putting up some big numbers. They were still losing games. You know, I mean, they've been afloat like they could have been a lot worse, but it's not like he's been leading them to like, well, let's say if LeBron had kept the Lakers in second place this entire time without AD. Like, that would be a better case because, okay, without your star players, whatever the case may be, you are still keeping them in the upper echelon. Right now, they're fifth, and you're right. Like, they're still a good offensive team. There's a lot of caveats there where it's like, clear cut. I'm still looking at three teams I'm saying better than them off the top. And that's both LA teams, despite the Clippers just losing right now, and Utah. Like that's my case on that. So like the biggest one for me is the defensive end. Um, I mean that that's just where I'm at in terms of like like he it's not like he's okay on that end. He's like come on now, you know. But like offensively, he's great. And you're right. Like the team, like submarining without him, I guess that can go one. I mean that 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 it has ruled. This has a lot of shades of um, 2017 Westbrook to me. In terms of, like, right where they are right now. Let's say they end up third place. Then we look at it differently. But right now, they are middle of the pack. They are middle of the pack in um, in the West right now. They have a team right now that does very good when he's there. They're horrible when he's not. 
I, I mean, that the storyline is the same right there, minus the epic triple-doubles. But, like, let's up. Uh, oh, he's epic triple-doubles. Look at the numbers he has in the offensive metric. And let's just completely overlook the other side of the ball or, or Westbrook's, um, you know, misgivings and misfortunes and weaknesses on the other end. Um, as far as during his MVP season. Because he wasn't a perfect player. We all know that. So, like, that's kind of where I'm at. And it's like, I don't know. I just feel like there's a shifting every year for the MVP, and it's just not shifting with me right now. Yeah, I mean, the I guess that's where we sort of differ, whereas I look at him as the best offensive player in the NBA and basically an average to maybe slightly below average defensive player, uh, whereas it sounds like you think he's like genuinely bad. Um, yeah, I think he's. I think he's. I think he's pretty rough, personally. I mean, I, I that's just me. I just think they, it's, it's not a matter of him being like, oh, like he's just bleeding points. I mean, it's not like. Uh, that's just where I'm at. But I also think that everyone is so quick to look at the offensive event for him. That, like, the MVP, I mean, it's like one year you want to be a complete player, one year you want this to happen. You know, I just, what are we looking for in Jokic right now? Like, he's great on the offensive end. We can say it for doubt, right? He kept this team, what, 500? When Jamal Murray was playing still, but just not playing well. It just seems like we're just looking at the offensive numbers. If you boil it down right now, a lot of it could shake out to, you know, what happens if the Clippers continue to fall, when the Lakers continue to free fall, and then the Nuggets climb up. But if we look at it right now, that hasn't actually happened. They're still fifth. You can say, you know, it's tight, this and that, but they're, they're, they are what they are, I think. I just don't know if I was, if I'm taking all this as if it's going to happen when right now it hasn't, and if we're judging by that, then yeah, he is an MVP favorite, but I'm not like knocking the doors down on it, you know? Yeah, my, my biggest issue with Jokic's defense is actually his transition D. Uh, he, he oftentimes, I mean, he just, he isn't blessed with great speed. So oftentimes he is just late to get back into that, you know, lane area to prevent, uh, transition drives and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and, you know, he also commits those really dumb and frustrating Euro fouls. There was a, there was one in the, uh, in the, in the game tonight against Philly where, uh, he went to do it, and he just completely whiffed, and the the Sixers ended up getting a corner three out of it. And it, you know, if he just sprinted back and got in place, they uh, they would have been able to block everything up for the Sixers and and force them into a half court possession. But yeah, he sometimes just I don't know if it's fatigue, or you know, he just is overrating the uh, the opposition's transition ability. But uh, yeah, he that that's the the biggest frustration point for me for his defense. But in the half court, I think he's actually okay when when he's you know back there and in position. I think his positioning is solid. He you know teams don't shoot as much at the rim when he's in the game. They don't get to the free throw line as much when he's in the game. He's got he you know he's a big dude. He's got long arms. He's smart. He knows where to be. He's got really good hands. He's in the 95th percentile and steal percentage. So he reaches in, he deflects passes, he anticipates passes. And, you know, his defensive rebounding is really valuable for, for the, the, defensive, uh, the defensive end as well. Um, you know, obviously there are athletic limitations. When he gets out on the perimeter, he can, he can look kind of silly, getting beat easily off the dribble. And at times, when he's do, when he's defending the pick and roll two on one, he'll get beat with that lob because he just doesn't have the you know the uh, the quickness or the vertical jump to 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 get to that pass. But given his athletic limitations, I think you know similar to uh, I, he reminds me of Dirk Nowitzki in that I think a lot of people underrated Dirk's defense in that. You know, just being big, being a guy that knows where to be on the floor 
and not making a bunch of mistakes has some defensive value, even though, yeah, it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it doesn't often look great. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming from. And yeah, when you give a deep dive, I mean, it, it does make it, some of it, you know, it's a real fine line on what he just physically cannot do and whether some of it's effort or the hello he mentioned on the offensive end. I'm sure there's a lot more nuance to it. This is where I'm at right now. And of course, you know, they could do better. I can come around. But as of now, it's like, eh, for me, it's a toss-up. I mean, it's not, okay, it's not really a toss-up, but it's not like this major um, landslide that, I'm trying to think of the last MVP that was a landslide for me. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not one of those. Like, I think every year you could you have some that could um, kind of make an argument or whatever the case may be. But, like, in this one, I don't think that there is a clear lead to it. I just feel like you have a few different options you can go. You know, I, I think Giannis hasn't been talked about enough. You know, um, Damian Little, like we talked about, he's been playing amazing. We're going to go by the same met, like, offensive standpoint and everything with him and what he's had to carry with the team. But at the same time, the team success has been lacking. I'm not sure if that's a knock, but for me, it, it kind of is, you know what I mean? Um, Giannis is still doing everything well, except for the fact that, come on, he's not winning three. You know, so those are kind of the spots I'm looking at, and like Joel Embiid and LeBron James just disappearing due to injuries and everything doesn't knock them out. Like, oh my God, well, it has to be Jokic. It's like, it just makes it all. Okay, now we look down to our third. You know, that that's where I'm at. So, I mean, I guess where you look at Jokic now depends on where you looked at him at this point right now, but for me, having Embiid and LeBron drop out and these other guys in the pack, it's like, okay, my number one, number two are gone. Doesn't make my number three a clear number one. It just makes him number three because there's no one else. And now we're looking at three, four, five. Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, this year not having a runaway uh, candidate, I think on that we can agree, even though I think we both uh, have Jokic as the front runner. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he's, you know, he's blowing Giannis or, or Harden out of the water. You know, those guys are, are still close. But yeah, I would, I would pick Jokic and... Um, you, you've brought up the comparison to him and the, the 2017 Russell Westbrook MVP, and I think the difference there is that um, you know Westbrook carried what was a bad offense to being a you know slightly below average offense and had this great defensive team around him, so the team won games by defense. Whereas Jokic, you know, he he does have a, a lot of good offensive talent, but he is he is taking the this Denver Nuggets offense. I mean, they're they're very close to being number one. I mean, I think there's like a point seven points per hundred possessions difference between them and, and Brooklyn for for number one in the NBA in, in offensive rating. So uh, he's taking this team this uh, this team offensively to to very elite levels, which is not something that, that Westbrook did in 2017. So uh, that that would be my my one disagreement about that comparison, but. You know me. I, I've never been uh, that high on that Westbrook MVP year. Uh, exactly. I'm going to say there's some bias there. So I have a couple of games in that season. And if you, dear goodness, look at All I got to say is Samaj Christian. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Samaj Christian. All right. He got heavy minutes on that team. Do you even know where he is now? <laughs> when you watched him, oh my gosh. He had one. This is a brief aside here. I'm sorry. I have to. I have no choice. He had banked in a three. And the announcer for OKC was like, wow, this is actually the third three-pointer that he's hit in as many games. He was shooting 17% from that. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, like Westbrook, for all his faults, and yes, he had a free reign, but he literally drove, and I'm not going to go into it anymore. I can, I can re... Whenever you want to go back to the 2017 MVP race, like, dude. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I want you to check out the, um, the Duncan Dunked On episode. They did a whole deep dive, and, and even they saw what I saw. You know, at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook was deserving, you know? But, but hey, that's, that's all well and done as four years. 
years ago. We can. I. It, it doesn't matter anymore. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I um, I'm as big of a fan of Dunked On as you know as as anybody, but uh, yeah, that that was one that you know I don't agree with them all the time. Um, oh goodness! But, uh, but I cannot believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, wh- one more one more Jokic comment before we we move on. We've probably discussed him enough, but uh, one thing that and I don't know if you've noticed this this season. And he's probably done it for a few years now, but I've noticed it more this year is when he catches the ball at the free throw line, you know, and he's got these big hands, he's a big man, he can he can palm the basketball, he just palms it with his right hand, you know, as he's kind of doing those uh, those fake dribble handoff actions. And he he is able to manipulate the defense and, and essentially do a pump fake by just, like, twisting his wrist. <laughs> and and kind of maneuvering the ball back and forth, and, and that gets guys to jump in different directions and... Yeah, he can do all of this while looking over the defense, using his left, you know, his off arm to sort of shield the defender and kind of just, yeah, twist his wrist around and 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 get a lot of good stuff out of that. He has, he, I'm not gonna lie, he is very, very sharp when it comes to just uh, like his, his. He's a magician with the ball. I mean, like you said, his depth, depth like fakes and, and feints and shifts to kind of keep the ball moving like that play in particular i've only even noticed it a couple of times but i know when you describe exactly what you're saying and i don't understand like if we're going by again just sheer mastery with the ball i just he's a savant i mean there's nothing left to say on the offensive end that hasn't already been said from that like he is just very very polished very very good and i don't know if he can be phased on that end. i mean you saw he get i mean really good, but you've seen him against a variety of defenders he's just something else that play and that that type of play being no exception yeah, this this team, I mean, led by Jokic, is just a is is just a terror offensively. They've been great, as I mentioned. They were they were fifth in the NBA in offense prior to, to Aaron Gordon arriving. I think they'll they'll move even closer to, to number one as the season progresses, and and they're just going to be impossible to defend come postseason with this lineup as long as as long as everybody stays healthy. But they they've got a lot of different things that they can go to as i mentioned the jokic murray pick and roll you know those guys have just fantastic chemistry and that gets better and better and that's that's one thing that uh, you know with shorter contracts in the nba we see less of of two guys just playing their most of their career together like we saw with with stockton and malone and jordan and pippen where they develop this just great chemistry they can basically read each other's minds but you know the Nuggets have that that pick and roll combo. They you know they are are running stuff where Jokic will set pin downs on the baseline, and and teams are so worried about Jokic even popping that even on an off ball screen that oftentimes the Nuggets will just get wide open dunks out of that action. Yeah. yeah, and then and then sometimes Jokic will set that pin down, and his defender does help, and then the Nuggets will just have Jokic come off a down screen for a three. Uh, I, I don't know what you do as a defense against that, but you know, we we saw uh, in that uh, in that Atlanta game they ran a Jokic Aaron Gordon pick and roll, and Gordon slipped the screen. Jokic found him for a two hand flush. Uh, they they can just do so much because of Jokic's offensive versatility. We've even seen um, you know we'll, we'll get into Michael Porter Jr. here. That's kind of the guy I want to talk to you about next. But uh, we've seen them run actions where he'll be on the weak side and they'll set sort of a cross screen for him to catch it sort of in that 12 to 15 foot range in the paint. And he can just, you know, jump over the guy for that, that open jumper. And, and uh, he's, 
he's shooting it a lot better from mid-range this season. Yeah, I mean, it's been a market improvement there. Power to working at the craft and that development. And I, I mean, we'll see, I, you think, okay, you think that's like a new sustainable thing? Do you think it's like a, it's a hot streak? What are you looking on that? I mean, I, I, I think it's sustainable. He shot 37% from mid-range last year. He's up to 47% this year. But just given his... It is a jump, but, uh, you know, just given his shooting ability overall, the way he's shooting it from three, he's, you know, around in the mid-40s from three, shooting 52% from the corners this year. Uh, that's that's another thing that the Nuggets are showing is they'll, they'll have uh, Jokic and Murray run a pick and roll on the wing with Porter Jr. in the strong side corner. And it's like, you can't leave that because he's hitting 52% of those. That's like... Over a, a point and a half per, per possession when he takes a quarter three. So, wow, uh, uh, and and that's obviously the easiest help for for that uh, that action with with Jokic and Murray off the strong side corner. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's sustainable. He's he's made leaps across the board. He's he's at seventy two percent at the rim in his in in his second year compared to sixty seven percent as a rookie. His, uh, his turnover percentage, Porter Jr.'s turnover rate, is down from 11.5% as a rookie to 8.9% this year. So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's made those, you know, nothing significant. You know, I think the one thing that's been disappointing about Porter Jr.'s second year is he hasn't progressed as a passer. He's, yeah, but, uh, but as far as what his strengths are in terms of his scoring, his shooting, and all of that, uh, he, he has taken some minor steps. Yeah, and it's been great to see. I mean, like, you said how great he's been offensive end. Just in the month of March, 20.3 points per game, 59% from the field, 53% from three, nine rebounds as well on the offensive end, with the exception of passing. The dude knows his role, and he's fulfilling really well. And, like, even this past game against 76ers, you know, he had, what, 27 points, five threes? Like, solid. Just really solid so far. Yeah, and, again, that, um, you know, when, when Porter was starting to, to show his stuff in the bubble – People uh, rightfully were like, well, well, man, if this is your third guy and, and that guy can just score 30 on any random night, I mean, what are you supposed to do? And, and it has come true. Like, this this team seems really, really filthy on the offensive end. And and, and part of that as well has been the uh, the improved play of, uh, of Jamal Murray. You mentioned Porter Jr. has been playing better as of late. Murray, after a rough start to the year, has started to look more like the Murray we saw in the bubble. In his last 25 games, he's at 45% from three, 46% from mid-range, and 73% at the rim. So, uh, and, and we saw a couple of plays. There was a stretch. I think he scored seven straight in, in the game against Philly at one point. Just, uh, you know, again, with that Murray magic, just being able to, to create and isolate one-on-one. That's the other thing that's crazy about this offense is even if you do all of those other things, if you somehow defend the Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll, if you somehow deal with Porter spotting up and cutting and offensive rebounding, you somehow deal with all of that, Murray could just say, could just go on a, a five- or six-minute stretch where he just goes at your weakest defender and, you know, lights him up. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, okay, going into Murray, I feel like he's only consistent... And it's inconsistency. Am I wrong on that? I mean, he's he's always. I think it's been it's been one of those things where yeah, he's always started slow in in most of the seasons, and then as the year goes on, he gets better and better. I don't know if that's a situation where 
he's not in the best of shape when the season begins, or he just, you know, needs to work his way into a groove. But yeah, it's, uh, as you said, it's been a consistent inconsistency, and the inconsistency in itself has been consistent, given that it's always seemingly in that first month or two there's struggles, and then he picks it up. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's working his way back. I mean, even this year, no, it's not. I'm not going to give an excuse this year, because even when, I mean, the bubble, you talk about the short offseason, he should have been red hot still. But that was not the case. But when he's on, I mean, there's like a few others. You know, he had a filthy step back three to kind of seal this game here. And he's just something else. Like, he is, uh, I, I, I don't even know. Um, when he's on, he's as good as anyone. But like you said, when it, that inconsistency for me that kind of has me cause for pause, I was so high on him going into this year in terms of him picking up what he had. Like, everyone's like, every time he has a good postseason, is this, like, him finally becoming that? He's only 23. You know what I mean? That's sort of mindset. At this point, I think he's going to be locked in as, like, a really, really good second banana to Jokic's Batman in that way. Um, but when he is shooting, man, I mean, the skill set is, is totally there. It's just maintaining that equal level of aggressiveness, the equal level of uh, offensive consistency. He works really well with Jokic. That's one thing that's not going to go away. But just kind of being there and knowing on a, and, and on a day-to-day basis that he's that guy. So, Corbin, I, I would like to ask you this. Assuming come postseason that the Nuggets are fully healthy, you know, Monte Morris is back in as a key guy off the bench, maybe can supplant Composo for those backup guard minutes, and you've got the, the eight or nine man rotation that Malone likes, what, if any, weaknesses does this team have offensively that the defenses could exploit? That's a good question. I mean, looking after, I mean, okay, I, I guess I would say you could look at inconsistent shooters outside of um, the big three and Jokic, Murray, and Porter. Um, you know, other guys I would, what, looking at between Jermichael Green, Paul Millsap, Will Barton, uh, newly, you know, Aaron Gordon, those guys can knock down the three. Aaron Gordon, which has had a career year from there, but they're nowhere near as consistent from there. Um, Monty Morris is okay as well. Um, I guess if you're attacking, I mean, if you got JaVale McGee there now, where he's going to play and fit in alongside there in terms of, I mean, they have a now a vertical threat that's amazing, but you could, I guess you kind of exploit certain guys you can play off of, you know, um, depending on what iteration. They're going to have at least one or two guys on the floor. Uh, one or two guys on the floor you're not necessarily worried about. Let's just say that. Um, that would be my mindset. And even then, I mean, the guys are leaving open again. Jermichael Green, Paul Millsap, Aaron Gordon are by no means deficient from three. They can knock one down. They're just not as good as Murray Porter or Jokic I'd look at. Um, aside from that, I don't know. They have a really good blend. Um, I guess the point guard spot? Uh, well, no. Mine Morris is solid. I mean, when you, yeah. if, 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 if Morris is out, then you might have an issue. That's a weakness, I would say. Um, because Composo is a, a, a heady player, a strong player, but nowhere near the Murray um, Morris mold, in my opinion. But aside from that, um, I mean, I'm kind of hard-pressed at this point, at least, backup shooting. I mean, then you're kind of picking nits here, and I don't really feel comfortable doing that on the team as strong as that, but I would look at maybe backup two and, 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 and really just looking at some shaky outside shooting outside of three of your guys. And the three guys you have are so good shooters that the shakiness is still, like, you know, mid-30s from three, which is not terrible at all. Yeah, I mean, I would say even their top six or seven, would I would say, are really good shooting. Yeah, you, obviously they're big three. But then, you know, I, I trust Morris as a three-point shooter. I trust Michael Green as a three-point shooter. I trust Will Barton as as a three-point shooter. 
Um, you know, and, and Aaron Gordon would be on the cusp of that. He's borderline, whether I trust him or not. But, you know, he's been decent this year. The only guys I'm really worried about would be Compazzo, Millsap, and, uh, you know, obviously if you if you put in McGee out there, uh, those those would be the guys that uh, and, and Dozier, those those four. So as long as Malone, as you said, as long as there's not more than say two of those guys out at any one time, I think they're fine. But uh, yeah, you know, like I was saying earlier, where they had the lineup of Millsap, Dozier, and Compazzo all on the floor at the same time, that's when it becomes an issue. But if you have one or two of those guys, I don't think it's that big of a concern. And and I think given, as I said, including Gordon, if you include Gordon, they've got seven guys that I would say are at least average to above average as three-point shooters. There shouldn't be any reason why Malone should have lineups with three sort of below-average shooters on the floor. But, you know, he's done it before, so you yeah, never know. We've seen some, I'm sure, right? Yeah, um... So the, the only other thing for me, I think, and this isn't even a, something that the opposing defense, I mean, I guess they can do it to a certain extent by, you know, being aggressive and, and uh, you know, and, and sort of feisty, is the, the Nuggets' turnovers. You know, they've been really good this season. They're actually, um, you know, fifth best in the NBA in turnover percentage this year. But if you look at them last season in the post, in the playoffs, they were 13th out of the 16 playoff teams in turnover rate. So, you know, and, and we saw a little bit in this in the Philly game in the third quarter where they got a little bit sloppy. They started having the ball poked around a little bit. They bobbled a few passes. and uh, Yeah, they just have this tendency occasionally to, to have these moments where, yeah, they're just, it's not super clean basketball. So that would be the other thing that I'm a little concerned about. But, uh, and, and the other issue with them and turnovers is that that also accentuates another weakness of theirs, which is their transition defense. Yeah, you're right. One kind of goes, or believes, I want to say directly into the other. Um, and you're right, the, the lot of mismatching. I guess you could look at it to kind of go back to, to that kind of having maybe multiple subpar shooters up there, Malone. Would you consider uh, Malone's kind of strategy in terms of rotations and who's on the floor as an offensive weakness? I mean, last year it was. Um, I, I I can't really comment on it yet because we're so early in the process with Gordon being there and then also with uh, Morris being out. So, um, you know, I feel like I'll be able to better comment on that once they're fully healthy and I've seen what Malone does with those rotations. And I think he's also, at least during the regular season, with, with the new pieces to, to experiment a little bit and see what works and what doesn't. But, uh, yeah, he's certainly not somebody that I trust completely in, as far as his rotations and decision-making uh, when, when it comes to the postseason. At least his track record is not great in that regard. I get you, exactly. That's something I would look at for myself. But at this point, like, like we said, it's kind of really kind of parsing through the weeds here. Well, yeah, and then, you know, obviously when it comes to when it comes to Denver, you know, being a potential title contender, which I don't know how you feel about this team. I'm guessing just in general you're a little bit less high on, on the Denver Nuggets as a team than, than I am, just given you're not as high on Jokic, uh, especially yeah. defensively. But, um, you know, to me, given how dynamite this offense could be, I think they've just got to get to close to average on the defensive end to be a true title contender. Do you do you kind of agree with that? And do you think they can get there? 
I, I think that they can get there. Um, I, I don't know. I, for me to consider them, I feel like I'm looking at the two LA teams come out the West, right? Person West End right now. That's hoping, of course, on big hips that the Clippers get it together and that trading out Lou Will for um, Rondo doesn't just submarine their chemistry and or rotations. Um, although I have liked the way Luke Kennard's played outside this Orlando game. I got checked back on. The Lakers, a lot of it is on when and how quickly or not how quickly and how well both LeBron and AD come back to the Lakers and also how well that roster gels together. If it comes like more or less things have stayed the same, I don't care where the Lakers are, I'm looking at them as the favorites. Then, if I'm looking at those two LA teams, I'm looking at Utah just because their body of work has at least shown, even though I'm very not high on how well I'll translate in the postseason, um, I, I, I got to take them in terms of they have a formula that works, they do it really well, um, they have the personnel to make that happen, and they're really good at what they do. Uh, even though we kind of saw a matchup with them against Denver, that would be mad interesting to kind of see how those two would match up this year, um, especially considering what happened last year. But it is a new season, so I got to take that in consideration. Then I'm looking at like a Denver, but even then, I feel like I'm more balling Phoenix and what they've done this year, how well they've played. Um, a lot of that for me is just the mistrust in a lot of those players outside, of like a Chris Paul, and although he's never been in the postseason yet, Devin Booker, in terms and a Jay Crowder. Those three are the ones I'm not worried about, but everyone else, see how they perform in the postseason. Um, and just how that translates for this team. Then I get to Denver in that Phoenix range, and that's kind of where I'm at because you're right. Like, it depends on how high I am of Jokic, which I feel like he's great, you know, top five. I just, I mean, I look at that as like uh, top ten. Point being, in my mind, I look at that like, I don't want to say top ten. I want to say top seven, top six. But, like, I have a couple in my head that I'm just holding on to. With that being said, it's like how do you take that into context? with the rest of this roster. And so that's where I'm at right now with this team. Um, I think if they do show up the defense, they have as good a chance as anyone against most of these teams. Um, like I said, once I got to Utah, I would feel interesting. With them in Utah, I feel like they're pretty evenly matched. Denver's the Clippers, how they did last year. But again, it's different. they got to take into consideration. Them for the Lakers, I actually do favor the Lakers, even though they have Aaron Gordon and Paul Millsap and others who I guess can kind of stay around LeBron and AD. I just feel like, again, you're looking at the big situation. And if you're looking at JaVale McGee, or Jermichael Green, or Paul Millsap, or, of course, the aforementioned Jokic defend Anthony Davis, then you're looking at a exit. I find the whole Nuggets-Lakers discussion fascinating because, you know, you can look on paper and say, okay, the Lakers beat the Nuggets in five in the West Finals, so it wasn't much of a series. But I don't know about you, Corbin, but again, considering games two, four, and five were all, were all pretty tight wins for the Lakers... And, and Game 3, despite the fact that the Lakers had this furious comeback with full-court press and Rondo getting 18 steals and <laughs> made that a game, Denver largely handled handled that Game 3. So I thought that was a closer series than five games would, would indicate. And if you factor in that, you know, um, Porter Jr.'s better, you know, you're, you know, Jokic and Murray are, despite the fact that they were fantastic in that series, they're still at an age where you would expect them to be to be better, and they have been better in the regular season than they were in the regular season last year. And, uh, you know, there, there's a decent chance that Aaron Gordon is better than Jeremy Grant. And, uh, yeah, I, I just like this Nuggets team a lot more with with Jamichael Green in the role that, that Torrey Craig was and Will Barton in the role that Gary Harris was. I mean, those two guys alone, those are huge upgrades in terms of shooting and, and not being able to just ignore those guys. The Lakers played a lot of defense by just 
double-teaming Jokic, double-teaming Murray, and making bad shooters beat them, and they just have fewer weak links on the offensive end now. So to me, there's a decent possibility that, again, that was that was a, a relatively close series last year. Denver's better, and the Lakers are a little bit worse. I'm pushing back a little bit, I think, in the end of the day. On the offensive end, I agree with you. Denver's better, and those games were close, um, and the teams are different. Um, with that being said, the teams are different. I still think Denver defensive is an issue, and, you know, darn well LeBron James is going to exploit that. And when I look at LeBron James and Anthony Davis, those are still, in my mind, the best two in the matchup, uh, depending on how healthy both are. Um, and then I put Jokic right behind them. Or Jokic, it may be in between, but I don't think Jokic is the best player in that matchup at all. Um, just starting out the gate. And I think in the postseason where those matchups usually matter more so than most, and one of those just happens to be a guy who can pick apart even just extra, extraordinary defenses, and Denver's is not extraordinary. Um, I, I think it'll work itself out. I think it'll be equally tough. Um, I don't think that they've gotten tougher or closer to overturn the Lakers yet. Um, and it remains to be seen. But again, you have to play both sides of the ball, and I'm not enamored with the way that Denver plays on one end, and if there's any team that will take advantage of that, it is LA. Yeah, it's true, and, and, and the Lakers did, again, take advantage of the the uh, Denver's weak point of their defense, which is the, the transition game, and really killed them with that, and uh, that would be something that uh, Denver, I'm sure, and, and Coach Mike Malone, going into, if they were to, to, to play again this year, would go into that series emphasizing to take care of the basketball, to not give those easy transition opportunities to the Lakers, and and feel like and, and Malone and the Nuggets might feel like in the half court we were pretty much even with them and if we can make it more of a half court contest we could potentially win but yeah I find that all fascinating and, and I certainly am not suggesting that I would pick Denver as favorites over the Lakers especially okay, if, if both if, if both teams were healthy but I, 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 I seriously think that this Gordon trade has put them right there in not the favorites category but in you know right below that I think this team is very very dangerous they're they're uh you know to me I I don't think I like any offense better than theirs in the entire NBA going into a postseason other than perhaps the Brooklyn Nets um so yeah um but uh yeah the this Nuggets team is certainly going to be really fun to watch as uh, as we as we go forward here towards the, the end of the season. But, yeah, Corbin, was there anything else you wanted to discuss regarding the Nuggets before we wrap up? Um, no, I think that this is going to be a very intriguing team. I think we got a lot more conversation in terms of breaking down. There's going to be a lot more to talk about. I see us breaking around a lot more. Um, come the post, it's going to be very interesting how things shake out. And uh, I hope to look back on this when Jokic does win the MVP and the Nuggets are in the second round. <laughs> yeah we'll see i mean yeah the the west is the west is brutal and yeah given the denver is in the you know likely to be in that four or five series that means they're going to be playing uh, two pretty darn good basketball teams in both rounds one and two if they were to get there so yeah i mean uh it's it's not unreasonable that the nuggets might be out by round two it's also especially with the lakers if they were to fall to the sixth seed corbin i hate to break it to you but it's not unreasonable to suggest that the lakers could be out at round two as well oh, we're, we're doing our 95 rockets impersonation man i am not worried we have the heart of a champion <laughs> <laughs> we'll see that's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun i personally can't wait all right corbin well yeah thanks again for for coming on and taking the time always man thank you 
Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he uh, he does a d- does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day.